0: are listening to radio influence
1: this is the valor hour on radio influence your weekly glimpse inside all things valor fights
2: and a look at what's going on in the rest of the mma community now
1: here's your host tim Loy.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour, it's episode 206, I'm your host Tim Loy, I'm joined by the usual cast of characters here as we get ready for a recap and reaction show as we come off of last week's Valor 82 card went down from the Camp Jordan Arena in uh chattanooga tennessee we had a big night of fights and a lot to cover here uh of course i'm joined by my co-host justin watson who was there uh, ju- uh judging the fights that night as well as uh, our, our our cast of panelists two of which were in action and picking up victories you got greg hopkins torres Finney on the line as well as the voice of valor jeff hobbs let's get into it gentlemen and uh and go run through these fights man it was a good night of fights we had a lot of a lot of action oh i had some uh a lot of uh, hustling around and scrambling uh, on the production end of things, but we ended up pulling it off. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, uh, the viewers at home uh, enjoyed the the, the broadcast. Uh, Justin, uh, if you would set the table for us before we get into these recaps and uh, run down the scores going into uh, this event. All right,
3: so to get us started last week, uh, going into this, we were Greg was at one sixteen, Torres at
2: one twelve, and Hobbs was at one oh nine. All right, so fairly, uh, fairly, fairly close still, and um, let's uh, let's run through it, Justin. Uh, I'll let you uh, kind of run through the card, and uh, as we go through, you can update us on on the picks. All right,
3: so starting out, we had Jake Johnson taking out Kip Richardson uh, via unanimous decision. Um, Torres was the only one that picked um, Johnson on that one, uh, but the Aussie picked TKO, so no extra point there.
2: Yeah, that's a good little fight, uh, actually. You know, Johnson, we'd seen before, he was able to get the takedowns in most of the rounds. And uh, Richardson was pretty game, you know, a tall, long guy, uh, had his moments uh, in the stand-up exchanges, but just wasn't able to stay off of his back over the course of the three rounds. Jake Johnson grinds his way to a decision in his first fight at 125. And, uh, man, he's already uh, – they're already talking, uh, you know, like they're wanting to get to the top of the division, looking to uh, – to go for that uh, one twenty five strap, which is going to be uh, up for grabs at uh, the uh, the next show, June the fourth, we'll see Jackson Donovan take on uh, Freddie Rodriguez from uh, down in Doug Usher's group uh, for the for the titles. So uh, you know Johnson wanted to go ahead and make it known that he's uh, wanted to be in the running for that, and then of course uh, Richardson, I am sure, will bounce back. Uh, you know, as a debut, getting to go all three rounds is definitely a lot of good experience. Torres, does some play out as you expected?
0: Um yeah, I mean, I thought I was going to see some ground to pound eventually uh within the fight. Um uh, and he looked really good. Uh um dang it. Uh, Jackson, he looked really good in this fight. And um he utilized his wrestling a lot in this one. And you saw him from start to finish uh controlling being really dominant on top. I mean, Jake Johnson and uh I mean, Richardson, like you said, he did do some really good things on the feet. Um one time he reversed him, I remember in the first round. He reversed him Uh, being on, after being on bottom for a good minute. But uh, Jake Jones had a lot of control and good fight. So congratulations, Johnson.
3: All right. Next up, we had a catch weight at 150. Daniel Gonzalez getting the submission over Eric uh, Lewis.
2: Now this one. Yeah, go
3: ahead. Yeah, no, 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 no. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Okay. Greg and Torres both picked the winner and got the submission bonus on that one.
2: Now this one was uh, this was a, a lot of action in a little in just a small amount of time, uh, and we had a little bit of controversy at the end. So well, I'd like to get everybody's take on it. But ultimately, you know, Eric Lewis uh, doing very well in the striking exchanges. You know, he's coming off the fight to Jalen Harper, where he wasn't able to stay off his bag. Harper just kind of you know, grinded on him for a three-round decision. But uh, this time, he, he was very active on the feet, letting his hands go. It was, was kind of lighting up Gonzalez early. Gonzalez, very relentless on getting the fight to the ground, dives in for a leg. There is a, uh, a, a tussle on the ground, if you will. And uh, ultimately, the fight was stopped uh, uh, to, a stra- I guess it was a straight ankle lock. Uh, it was... Um, uh, some controversy at the end, as uh, it was Eric Lewis was saying he didn't tap. and um, the referee was Caleb Miller for this one. And, uh, you know, it was one of those those instances that was just very bang, bang, very hard to call on the spot. I can see after watching him back, the argument that he didn't tap is it was really just kind of like one, definitive slap as he was getting turned over. But in fairness, there was an agonized look on his face. It was obvious he was in pain. The referee's there to protect these guys, especially the amateurs. And so he's down on it looking for any semblance of a tap at that point. Uh, So, you know, you err on the side of caution, I think had, uh, uh, you know, had an injury occurred, I think that most everyone would probably uh, be going the other way saying that he should have stopped it. So, you know, these guys are amateurs. They're learning. Uh, it was a good, uh, a good submission there. Uh, ultimately by Daniel Gonzalez, who uh, has shown at the Hyder cups uh, as he's competed with, uh, with his team Highstand that he's a very tricky grappler. Uh, you know, Eric Lewis falls to one and four, I believe now, but he's a tough one of four. You know, he's, he's game. He's been the distance several times and uh, and has showed good striking. So uh, we'll see if he can bounce back.
3: So good, everybody, on this one. Greg, what was your thoughts on that? Did you get to see it? Greg.
4: Sorry, I was, I was, I was muted. Uh, yeah, I was watching it on, the, on, the, on TV, on the pay-per-view right there. And uh, if you're grimacing that bad and hurting that much and you've been in that, that much danger for that long, it's only a matter of time. And it just takes split seconds for a knee to go out. So uh, I agree with the referee's decision to stop this here. Uh, the amateur fighter was showing grimace, and he he he, he, he did tap. He tapped. So if you tapped, you tapped. Uh, and that's the bottom line. If they wouldn't have stopped it, and he got injured, then we would have had a big issue with that. Like you know, oh, that referee's is piss poor. He didn't stop it when he should have. So, and like like Tim said, it was a flash instance, and he made the right call. All right, Torres.
0: Um, I'm not gonna lie. I, I I thought for a second that was a. Uh, um, a little bit of a quick call, um, but like you say, um, he was grimacing. He was uh, he was yelling, you know at, at times, and the way when you look at it, you were like, oh man, that was a quick tap in the moment. But you go back and look at it on film. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I mean, he, he sits in a little bit longer. He, I think he eventually taps, but you can't go by you know on uh, hypotheticals. But the way he was grimacing, the way he was yelling, like you say, you got to keep the amateurs safe and um. In all honesty, I think that was the right call. Eventually,
3: pops.
5: Yeah, man. It um, you know, it's, it it kind of reminds me of uh, what they used to call the old Russian tap. You know, where it was just one solid like slap on your opponent's body somewhere, uh, hoping that he will consider it a tap and, and let go. Um, so, you know, obviously different situations um, with it being the mat and not the body, but to me. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, um, you know, whether it's one or or two, got to consider the position he was in, the situation that he was in, and any kind of definitive palm hitting the mat is going to be taken uh, as a tap. I don't know if anybody else saw. I think I'm the only one. I feel like I'm the only one that's seen it. But I I really feel like before the tap in question, there was a moment when he was on his back in a roll. Almost that same motion happened. I thought he had actually tapped before the one in question because he was on his back and kind of the same one hand down on the mat, which, of course, the fighter could call it posting or just, you know, trying to get himself, you know, trying to get his hand underneath himself to maybe posture up or something. But it was a definitive, not both hands, but one hand hitting the mat and then rolling over. Uh, That was actually what I thought was the tap at first.
2: All righty. Next up, thoughts, we had, uh, Justin, You you weigh in on this. You know, it, it didn't go to a decision, or you know, it's uh, you know nothing that really uh, you know, would be playing sides. I don't think here. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I disagree with everybody.
3: I guess the submission. I would agree if it was a heel hook, which it was originally called, but that's not what he was in. So ultimately, there couldn't be any damage done And if you know what you're looking at. You know that he's not going to like. Ultimately, that's just a painful situation, and you either it's like a it's like a neck crank almost. You know. Um, But – or like a can opener. But um, I wish that we could – in situations like this, I wish that we could just, you know, say, let's look at the replay. Did he tap? You know, a couple people look at it and say, did he tap or did he not tap? I don't think it was a tap at all. I think he was slapping the mat kind of out of frustration as he was rolling. They were pretty close to me, and I wasn't – I couldn't see the hand that slapped, but he was fighting on the side that I was sitting on. So I thought it was early, but I totally agree that, you know – you can't take a chance with amateurs. We saw that happen not too long ago, and a kid got his arm broken. Um, he wasn't in that situation, but you never know—you know what can happen in this in that situation. I guess. All right, let's move on. All right, next up we had uh, let's see, lightweight, 155 pounds, Tyler Jones and Justin Jamar go to a draw in a, a
2: tie fight. So this fight was a uh, really close one, with a little bit of uh, grumbling about the decision on both sides. I thought all three rounds were pretty close. I thought Jamar gave a really nice account of himself. As uh, kind of the first guy to really give Tyler Jones a run, Uh, you know, the last time out against KJ Franklin, he was getting he was getting some uh, resistance as well. But, you know, we got all three rounds here. The first round they gave uh, to Tyler or I'm sorry, to Justin Jamar is very close. The second round they gave to Tyler Jones. But the it was the third round that uh, that they that they also gave to Tyler Jones. But there was a point deduction. For, uh, for hitting in the back of the head, and they didn't like that point deduction. Although, after watching it back, Chad Wasper and the referee, did warn him literally three times in, before they finally took the point to stop hitting him in the back of the head. These weren't big-time damaging blows. They were kind of just like, they're clenched up, and he just kind of like tapping on the back of his head. But, you know, I supposed to hit in the back of the head. I didn't have a problem with the point deduction after three warnings at that point. And that was all the difference, ultimately. That point they took away, uh, made it a 9-9 in a unanimous draw. Justin Jamar thought he did enough to win uh, that round and um, may I after watching it back, I mean, it was super close. I, I don't think that anybody was wrong here. I don't think anybody was robbed, but I think that there was an argument either way. And so, uh, you know, I'm okay with the draw. Ultimately, I think that, uh, you know, Tyler Jones, uh Will certainly uh, grow from this as well. I think that there were some, a few holes shown in this fight that he knows that he'll need to to shore up some. Got to check those leg kicks, but I will say that he, his, his clinch work and knees are starting to come along for, for a guy that has been fighting mainly, uh, you know, K1 rules, point type fights uh, versus uh, Muay Thai. So overall, really nice fight, Uh, a good experience for both guys. What did you think of this one, Hobbs?
5: I and mean, I think this was a really good fight. I, I think it was, um, you know, we, we haven't seen, uh, you know, Tyler tested like this and, and Justin Jamar, which, yes, he's he's a little older. But again, we haven't seen Tyler Jones uh, really, you know, have to, you know, quote, unquote, go to war with, with anybody. And Justin Jamar was more than game. Um I was happy with the draw because I, you know, I just didn't know which way I was leaning. It was so close and I'm, you know, glad I wasn't judging, but, um, you know, after the point deduction, I knew regardless of what happened the rest of that round, uh, that we were probably going to see a draw. I think me and Tim talked about it, you know, at that moment was okay, here comes, you know, here comes a draw, you know, it's, it's coming, but, um, you know, I, Listen, there's a lot of things that we can complain about when it comes to judging and reffing, and I don't think this is one of them. There's other stuff we can talk about on this card, and I don't think this is one of them. You know, the the Gonzalez stop, you know, uh, tap and a couple other things that throughout the night. I just don't feel that this is one of them. But, man, I, I really want to see Justin Jamar again. We know we're going to see Tyler Jones again, um, but I want to see Justin Jamar again. I want to see what else he can do. And super cool kid, man, after the fight, you know, kept coming up to our table and You know, just really wanting other people's input. Um, I will tell you, if you're listening, Justin Jamar, though, it is faux pas uh, to to go around to the judges and ask them at the show (laughs) after your fight uh, why they judged it the way they did. Don't that's 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 a no, no. That's a bugaboo. Don't do that, my man. But, uh, man, let's get Justin Jamar on another show. Tim.
3: So if you don't mind, Tim, you know, I think in situations like these, it is. You know, good to hear. I'm I'm always happy to to tell why I did, you know, made the decision that I made. Um ultimately it came down to that third round and with the point deduction, if if I mean it was a super, super close round. Justin Jamar had he continued the pressure and kept the pressure up, he would have won that round. It would have been a 10-8. It would have been a, a solid win for him. Unfortunately, about a minute in, he just was so gassed that he wasn't have didn't have much output uh, after that compared to Tyler Jones. They were both Tired, but Tyler Jones was still the one pushing the pressure and pushing the action. And that's why I gave it, you know, a 9-9, giving Tyler Jones that round, even with the point deduction. And I think it's, you know, any anybody that ever wants to talk to me, that if I judge their fight, I'm always happy to, to stand up and tell you why I scored something the way I did. I think that, that the transparency is, you know, pretty no, vital I to, to the situation.
5: My thing was asking during the show, during the Oh, yeah, yeah. During, during yeah, nah. the show. You know, while you guys are still trying to work, uh,
3: yeah, you know. Definitely give us a chance to be done doing that. But you can always hit me up, and I'm always happy to talk about it if if you have an issue with something that I judge for sure. Um, Next up, we had welterweights. No, I'm sorry. We had uh, catchweight at 140. uh, Quentin Sims gets a third round TKO uh, over Javante Miles Trowell. On that one, uh, let's see, Greg had uh, Sims, and so did Torres. Did did we ultimately rule that a
2: knockout or a submission? The referee waved it off. I guess it was a TKO, right? Yeah, yeah. It was more or less like he started to turn away from him standing, so I guess it would be a TKO. All right, uh, They both get the uh, points but no bonus. So, uh, this is another good one, man. Uh, There's the, a frantic one. These guys are really going at it early. Uh, both guys had their moments. I thought the first round was super close. Uh, Sims kind of started to, to pull it out at the end and then pull away there in the second, third rounds. Uh, JNT, uh, nice accounting for himself, but uh, late in the round started to, started to gas, I think, more than anything in that third round. Uh, he ended up going to the, to the ER. Um, and,. Uh, Man, I can't exactly remember what they said was the uh, uh, the actual something about having air in. Uh, let's see, what, man. Hold, uh, we could hold on a second. I'll tell you exactly what it was called. I'll pull it up because now I'm uh, I'm very uh, I'm very curious. It was called um, new, new, mo, pneumo medi, medi, and it is uh, the presence of air in the mediastinum. This is the area of the bottom that body that is between the lungs and behind the breastbone. So I don't know if that's just like, if that's a, like a dangerous situation or what that is exactly, but that's, that's what was happening. And so uh, I think that exhaustion was really kind of what did him in, but nice, nice job for Q uh, Sims there and uh, moved two and zero, and he, he seems eager to get right back to it. I don't know. That sounds to me like gas.
4: What do you have Greg? Uh, well, I watched it from home and, you know, on my way over there, actually I was watching it in the car And, uh, that, that fight, uh, well, after the first round, what it came down to was hard. And I think that, uh, you know, Q Sims wanted it a little bit more than, uh, you know, JT did. And uh, I wasn't aware that he did go to the emergency room because he had some buildup of, uh, oxygen or something behind his, uh, behind his lungs. That's not good. That is not good. Um, but, uh, with that being said, uh, I wonder if that affected him during the fight or is it something that he built up and then, Dur- throughout the duration of, it. I don't know, man. That's, that's pretty wild. I ain't never heard of that, but, uh, uh, hats off to Q, man. He went out there and he took care of business. That was a, uh, it was a fish flop and, uh, it really, yeah. The technique was kind of thrown out the window in this fight, it really just came down to, it was just really just a, a scramble with a bunch of, um, was, I mean, it could have, it could have happened in a bar. It's the same as it did. These boys were just rolling <clears throat> all over each other Beating the shit out of one another until the end of the third round, I guess. Uh, you know, JT gas finally, and uh, and Q got and Q stood tall over it, man. So, what was that Moves Q to two and O now?
2: Yeah, he's two and o. He's two and o.
4: Yeah, good deal, man. I'm happy to see Q out there, man. Q's got a rough back uh, background, and he's a uh, he's doing great things right now. And I'm a uh, very impressed with him, and I I can't wait to see who he fights next. I know he's calling out just about everybody in the damn division
3: right now, so I'm excited to see who he gets next. All right. Next up, we had welterweights. Um, Matthew Leonard takes out Tristan Kelly via T- via TKO in the first round. Um, our panelists all picked Kelly on that one, so they were all incorrect.
2: Yeah, this one was a last-minute switch, originally uh, said to be Jordan Lewis, he made of Kelly, who had an injury the week of the fight. Kelly steps in, gives up a bit of size here to Leonard uh, after I saw them kind of line up because Kelly has fought as low as 55 this fight was his 70, and uh, he came in pretty much walking around 70. Uh, Leonard, a tall, uh, rangy guy, came down from Wisconsin, and, man, really showed some, some nice striking, and uh, it really just kind of lit him up. Uh, it was one of those knockouts where, like, he was out on his feet, and then he took another real, real big one, like, after he was kind of, like, already outstanding. So um, it was a nice win for Leonard. I, I saw that uh, Jordan Lewis – Originally, the opponent was uh, already calling for that fight whenever he's healed up, and so we may we may have uh, a little uh, rivalry beginning here. Uh, And props to Tristan Kelly for stepping up uh, on short notice and taking that fight. Torres, what'd you think
0: about that one? Yeah, um, I thought that was a really good fight. You know, they both was going at it back and forth. Um, The main thing was, you know, Tristan Kelly coming in on short notice a little bit. You know, um, with Jordan Lewis being out, and um, you know. I was just skeptical on like how you know Tristan Kelly was fighting. He had his hands down a little bit and um Matthew Leonard took advantage of it. I mean he, uh Matthew was a you know a debut, took advantage of his uh well isn't he a debut?
2: Yeah, that uh, was his first fight. That was his first it,
0: one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. it looked like you know he was anxious at first, and then once he settled down, I mean his striking showed and then boom, 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 straight to that head kick, that head kick knockout, put him down. No, not a head kick, it was uh it was a straight right. That's right. It was a straight right that put him down and knocked him out. He had off, he had him already stunned on the feet, but uh, really good striking, as you say, shown by Matthew Winter. And um, good fight for the first fight.
3: All right. Another welterweight bout. Justin Abner gets a third round Von Flew over Attican Groves. Uh, on this one, looks like all of our panelists picked uh, Abner, but Greg took submission, so he gets the bonus points there.
2: Well, uh, yeah, Abner kind of uh, getting Rocket City going here after uh, they, they'd had some rough ones early, but, uh, you know, Abner uh, had really nice, like, dominant position pretty much through two and a half rounds, so he finally finished that thing off, the Von, the Von uh, Prue choke, and, um, you know, I thought that, uh, that Attican Groves had a nice showing for himself given the discrepancy in experience and, and training camps, so uh, he really kind of... You know survived in a really bad spot in a, a lot of debut independents would have probably uh, you know kind of called it and dialed it in at that point so props to him there and uh, Abner a pleasure to work with uh, you know super nice guy moves to three and four and uh, he's it looks like he's ready to get back uh, probably he's wanting to come fight on that national show so we'll see if we can't keep him uh, keep him rolling there. Greg we talked about last week
3: Abner was somebody you thought was that what you expected to see out of him again?
4: Yeah, man, uh, abners he's super savvy on the ground, and he's real heavy. He's also heavy-handed, and I, I mentioned it, that, you know, uh, back when I did fight him, it was that, it was that you know, welcome-back fight after a seven-year layoff, and, and he hammered me, man. And, uh, you know, and I've seen stars for a long time after that fight, so I know he's a tough cat. And I know he's real heavy-handed. Uh, and uh, now that he's more of an advanced amateur and he's not fighting in Georgia – uh, you know, or Alabama, he can hit on the ground. He can strike on the ground, and you got to see, you know, how heavy his hands were and uh, and just how savvy he was when he uh, transitioned into that uh, Von Peru right there. He did look good, man, and uh, this time he's got that long hair to go with it too. So, I'm excited <laughs> to go get back in there again.
3: All right, next we had the big boys getting in there. Uh, David Kuklea gets a TKO after the first round. Jake Zog uh, couldn't come out after the bell. Uh, everybody takes, or no, I'm sorry, Greg and Torres both take Chiclea by TKO. Hobbs gets nothing.
2: Well, this fight was kind of, uh, kind of. both guys had their moments in the first round, from what I recall. And, uh, you know, Chiclea was kind of getting the takedowns, and Zog was like managing to get up without taking much damage. Uh, both guys landed some good shots, but uh, ultimately, I think Chiclea was just in better shape. You know, Zog took this one on about a week's notice. Uh, had a much better accounting for himself than the Lorenzo Hood fight, obviously, but just uh, gasped more or less in, in between rounds. I know that he was real, real uh, disgusted with himself afterward because he felt like he was in that fight. I'd have to agree; uh, he, he was certainly competitive there. And uh, but hey, you know, Chiclea, uh you know, uh, took it at took it as he could there and uh, it took the win and gets a good pro debut. Uh, you know, he was he was in good shape uh, and, and ready to go uh, for another round. So it'll be interesting to see uh, both these guys back. I think Zog with you know proper preparation and the proper you know matching can can be in exciting fights uh you know obviously and then to uh, i think uh, is a guy that um you know i don't know how busy he's gonna stay because it's been a while since his last one but you know there's some potential there as well um uh, you know the, the heavyweight division is kind of wide open for the pros if you can get to four and oh five and you can get an opportunity hobbs you took zog trying to make up some points i believe
3: uh didn't quite go that way though
5: I got no points and he gave us nothing. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I was disappointed, man. You know, I, I mean, I get it, I, you know, hell, I get exhausted walking up the steps. Uh, so, I mean, I, I get it. I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm a, die, you know, go out on your shield type kind of guy, though, that, you know, I just don't understand there was no damage done. No, you know, he was not really in any bad spots. Um Hell, yeah, just come on out, man. Start round two. Again, these are heavyweights, man. One punch changes everything. I just would have liked to have seen them and not, hell, not just because I had them on my card, but uh, I would like to have seen them come out in the second round. Uh, like like you guys said, he had his moments. He he was in this fight. Uh, he was by no means, uh, he might have been down on a scorecard, but he wasn't out of this fight. You know, now get in there with those heavy hands, man, and see what happens. Uh, so I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Tim, I know you said, you know, with some proper training and, and maybe some more time. But at what point, though, when you're what is he, 1-12 now? Does he have time for any more proper training? Yeah, uh, you're right. You know, uh, that's a long road to hoe to, to ever hope to be 500. You know, we're going to have to rip off 11 straight wins. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe I question the motivation. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, Chiclea looked good, man. And, uh, you know, I, I'd never seen him fight before. Um, so that was my first time uh, seeing him fight. He had a good, uh, good little uh, section of fans there to to cheer him on and support him. So um, like you said, heavyweight uh, division right now is pretty much wide open with the exit of one Mr. Lorenzo Hood. So uh, maybe this is the time to get a little more active and see where uh, this thing goes.
3: Next up, a couple more big boys, 200-pound catch weight. Wesley McCracken gets the first-round KO at uh, 2 minutes and 20 seconds over Jordan Cyphers. Um, our panelists all had McCracken on that
2: one. Greg and Hobbs take the TKO points. Now, this was a wild one as long as it lasted. I I thought Cypher was, was accounting well for himself um, up until the end. Uh, both guys had uh, landed some pretty good shots. McCracken got a takedown at one point, and uh, – and w- got deducted a point for for hitting in the back of the head. Uh, the referee Caleb Miller uh, deducted a point. Um, this, uh, Jordan Sipeser was was pretty stunned at that point, and I think he should have taken more time. He he could have taken more time, but he opted not to. And hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I think that man made a big difference because. I mean, as soon as they came back out, there was the question mark kick head kick knockout, and that, and he was and it was he was and it was over. So uh, you yeah, know, I think uh, not saying that it wouldn't have ended like that, regardless, but I uh, it seemed like his hands were just down, and whenever they started the fight again, and uh, and he was just out of it. So uh, probably would have behooved him to take a little bit more time. Who knows uh, how things would have turned out uh, if he had been properly defending himself at that point. But uh, you know, I didn't expect. that that from wesley mccracken i, I didn't, i'm not saying i didn't expect him to be skilled and tough and uh and good obviously uh training over there at upstate karate but i thought he was going to be kind of more of a grinder ground and pound and he whipped that kick up there and uh right on the button very impressive uh by wesley mccracken yeah this is a
3: big boy torres maybe uh somebody that you might be looking to to get in there with in the future what do you think about this fight
0: yeah that was a really good fight uh wesley mccracken they were going back at it back and forth and um I remember that takedown Wesley had, and, you know, those shots to the back of the head, I truly believe, did affect um, Jordan. Um, but the thing was, like, like Tim said, I think he should have took a little bit more time because those shots were damaging. And, um, you know, right when he got up, that head kick was right on the button. And um, I say, say Wesley looked really good. I mean, Wesley McCrone Back in, um, what is he now, one and three? Or, uh, he's, well, he's a, yeah, he's a very deceptive one and three. Yeah, he will had some tough yeah, tough outings. So, yeah, that was a really good fight for him. So, I'm um, really excited to see more about more out of him. A good fight.
3: Next up, heavyweights John Hampton gets TKO in two minutes and 36 seconds over Keanu Parks. Everybody had Hampton.
2: Uh, Greg and Torres get the TKO points man this was a war this had the crowd literally on their feet like r- rushing the cage it was awesome uh, and man i guess that's all that john hampton has is fights like that apparently because that's how his first one went and uh you know it's a very very exciting style when you got big big dudes like that just throwing those hammers both guys landed some good ones but it was john hampton that landed the one that counted the most he drops uh, his opponent, Keone, uh, in the first round goes to 2-0. and And I'm a fan of both these guys, man. I, I really like watching both these guys fight. I thought Keone really kind of th- left it all out there too, you know. And he's, you know, when you got big guys like that just exchanging in the pocket, it just takes one to change everything. And uh, Hampton's gotten the better of two uh, like that now. So, uh, yeah, man, he's on the rise. 170 pounds up net. Oh, sorry, wrong one. Uh, let's see. What do you have on that one,
3: Hobbs? <laughs>
5: Uh, Yeah, you know, this is no slight to the guys that were on the card prior to this fight, but uh, this is where the fight night, this is where, you know, the event turned on. Uh, Those crap, that crowd, this was the one that, you know, shit got hype, you know, and it got loud and this was the atmosphere we'd been waiting for, you know, uh, everything up to this point was just Kind of like you know what I would call the golf clap type matches where you're enjoying the skill set, and you know, uh, but these guys, this is when you know I don't know, this is just when the shit hits the fan man and two hype uh crowds going at it uh this was you know this was the one where I had to first grab the mic and say, Get back away from the cage um. There's not really much you can say about the fight itself because these were just two big boys that just went gunslinging, man, and stood right in front of each other. And it is a pick'em at that point on who's sneaks through clean first. And whoever does is the winner, and that's what happened. When the first clean one snuck through and and you know connected solid, that's when the drop happened, and that's how heavyweight fights go. Uh, this one is what started the hype uh, hypeness of the crowd. And um, you got to have these, man. You got to have these on the card.
3: All uh, right. Next up at 170 pounds, Peter Wilson gets a TKO victory over the last minute replacement. Brian Diaz. Um, Greg took Wilson I would say he probably would have picked his changed his pick if he would have known his teammate was stepping in. But he was the only one uh, to get any points on that gets the TKO points and all.
2: So uh, yeah, first off, big props to Brian Diaz uh, to stepping up on 24 hours' notice as Amio's boys was a, was a no-show, which was just shocking to me, man. Like, the, you know, Amio's uh, typically is is reliable and uh, acts like a professional. In this case, uh, the exact opposite uh, occurred, and we had Brian Diaz who just fought. Uh, the week before, he won his debut with a pretty quick arm bar. Didn't take any damage in that vice, but he had been sick, I heard, uh, the week leading up, too. So, uh, you know, he kind of came off the couch, didn't, uh, you know, didn't cut any weight or anything to fight Wilson. Props to Wilson for being willing to. To uh, adjust on the fly, flying all the way here from California, finding out your opponent's not going to show up—that's a very stressful situation. I know it's stressful for me that day, and uh, you know Peter w- it stopped cutting weight at 162. Uh, but come fight day, I don't think there was a huge uh, weight discrepancy. In fact, I thought Peter looked like the bigger guy out there, even even though he weighed less. Uh, very tall and rangy, good striking. First round was really good, really close. And if if I can recall, I may be wrong, but I feel like the judges may have been split on that first round. I, I may be off, but. But uh, it was close. In the second round, uh, Diaz' gas tank started to empty a little bit. Um, you know. So he was kind of going for it, just going all out, because I think he knew that he was probably not going to be able to go all three rounds at that point. So he kind of went on on his sword, got uh, TKO'd there about midway through that second round. Peter Wilson moves to 1-0. and o, And uh, I think he's talking like he wants to come back in July. So uh, I think he makes for some very interesting matchups uh, for a few guys at 155. Greg,
3: would you have changed your pick if you would have known that uh, Diaz was fighting?
4: Well, when I had, was doing my weight cut, I actually
3: got to sit in there
4: with uh, – I'm sorry, I just forgot his Peter, name. Peter. Peter Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. McCracken. I don't know why say that, yeah. Wilson. Wilson. Uh, sorry. But I sat in the sauna with him for, you know, about 40 minutes and talked to him a good bit. No, not too much about his skill set, but about it, how serious, like, you know, he takes the sport and how – you know, he had his coach in there sitting with him. You know, they, they showed up, and uh, I got to talk to him. Uh, little did I know, when I got to weigh-ins, he was going to be fighting one of my uh, teammates there soon. And I just talked to Brian, they, uh, you know, two days before weigh-ins, and he was talking about how he wanted a fight. He wanted a fight. You know, he, he, like, not just he didn't want another fight. He said he wanted a knockdown drag drive- out dog fight. Because he wanted to test himself and see where he stood on any level. And that's what he wanted. Now, granted, did I know two days later that fight was going to come about? Had I known, I would have told Brian to maybe sit this one out because you just came off a stomach bug. You've been sick. You just had a fight. Let your body rest a little bit. He hadn't been training this week. Brian said no. He wanted to fight. He said he wanted that dog fight, and he did. He went all out in that first round and did everything he could to finish Wilson, but he couldn't He couldn't do it and ended up gassing. And then he came on the say, you know, he faded in the second, and I ended up getting finished. And uh, I, I, you know, uh, I told uh, I told him not to take it hindsight, but uh, and maybe in the future he might want to run it back with a proper camp. I don't know if we can get that lined up with uh, uh, Peter Wilson out of California. It's not often that you know he does come around. So, but man, Peter Wilson was really impressive man he he put it on he was very technical he was able to uh, dodge brian's big shots he was able to uh grab a hold of brian whenever he w- was hit and uh, and hold on and regain his uh, composure and uh be a real technical battle and uh, peter wills put it on him man And it was a uh, it was really impressive and yeah i'd like to see him over in the valor underground in july all
3: right next up we had back to welterweights craig french gets a first round tko over jason crowder
2: Uh, Everybody picked French, but Greg takes the TKO points on that one. This is a fight that was... Eerily similar to uh, the ending of our main event, which we'll talk about later. But uh, you know, Craig French uh, rebounding off of uh, a debut loss looked like a million bucks out there, and he just got—he gets that kind of murder look in his eyes. Man, he's an intense dude. Uh, once that bell rings, he's a sweetheart, uh, outside the cage. But I mean, he—he's an intense uh, motherfucker. Once once they ring that bell, he and Crowder both in the 30s. it felt like this fight lasted longer than thirty seconds. That's crazy. Uh, there's a lot. It felt like there was a lot of action in that thirty. 30 seconds felt like they were throwing down. Uh, French managed to uh kind of drop Crowder in a flash kind of way, I guess. Uh, Crowder dropped though. Referee stepped in, waves it off. Crowder, uh, I don't think he liked the stoppage, but um, I it was it was uh, it was another one of many bang bang calls on the evening, uh, that happened, and that's uh, that's the way they called it, you know, uh, stepped in and waved it off, um. Like I said, Crowder wasn't real happy with it. I didn't hate it. Uh, again, like, you know, he dropped him, uh, but it was just like I said, one of many kind of, like, flash drops on the night. Uh, Props to Craig French, man. Uh, he, he's got some power. Torres, did you agree with the stoppage? How would you see the fight all around?
0: Um, yeah, um, you know, I was excited about Craig. You know, one of the things, we was happy to see him, you know, let his hands go. You know, if anybody remember that fight he had in primal, uh, he had an opportunity to finish the uh, guy he fought in primal, but you know he didn't let his hands go, and something he did this fight. Uh, once he stunned Javon, he let his hands go, and you could you could you say that the stoppage was uh, a bit early? It just the it just the way that guys drop. You know, um, if anybody remember my first fight, that's what really happened between like me and Antonio. It was like the way guys drop. You know, Antonio had felt like face first flat on his belly. You know, yeah, like a flash knockout, and it was very similar with Javon. It was like a Quick falling down face first because he didn't like literally. Uh, Frenchie hit on like a four piece combo and he went face first. And in the referee, in that decision, you're like, okay, I got to stop this for well, the amateur gets hurt. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the stoppage, you look at it hindsight, like you say, uh, that, uh, that wasn't right. But you know, I, I think I can agree with the stoppage. But uh, really good, uh, really good fight for Frenchie. and am excited to see his future.
2: Well, and if I may interject here, you know, nobody's as close to the action as the referee. The referee may see something in their eyes that we can't necessarily see uh, from behind them. Uh, You know, maybe his eyes roll roll back in their head, things like that, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's
3: true. All right. Next up, we had flyweights. Anthony Cochran gets a unanimous decision over uh, Shamar Hawaii Perez. Um, Let's see. Greg and Hobbs both had Cochran by decision on that, getting all the points.
2: So this was a good fight. Uh, you know, it was uh, Anthony Cochran making his debut at 125. Uh, first time that I've seen him looking kind of gnarly at weigh-ins, but he made it, you know, with a little bit despair. So uh, I think the question going in was could he perform at that new weight after for the first time being kind of kind of run down from cut. Uh, you know, Perez has made this cut many times and, and he's a tall, rangy guy. Uh, Cochran able to get the takedowns. Uh, uh, as he is apt to do but this time uh, made the proper adjustments to stay busy enough on the ground to not get stood up uh i don't think we had any stand-ups in this one in in, in prior fights he had so uh you know he's uh kind of taken notes from uh, decisions that he's been losing and made the uh, necessary tweaks to to make sure he didn't lose those positions uh perez was getting uh the better of the striking exchanges, I thought. Uh, Cochran started telegraphing uh, the the takedowns a little bit in the second and third rounds, but uh, it was, uh, I believe, it was one one to one going to the third, if I'm not mistaken. Perez dangerous the entire time, throwing up uh, you know triangles that were. Uh, very, uh, very, very close, but uh, couldn't quite uh, get him put away. Uh, Anthony Cochran just, uh, you know, uh, too savvy to, to to get caught in those and uh, defended them properly, kept his position, wins a unanimous decision. If I'm not mistaken, the first and third rounds were his. All right, Hobbs.
5: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely correct. It was uh, – I remember announcing the scorecards. It was 1-1 going into the third. Um, you know, uh, you were right. Like you said uh, – you know, what, what's been Cochran's bugaboo in the past is getting the takedowns and not doing work. And he tried to do it, you know, try to get a little better uh, and stay a little active, whether it was just kind of peppering the ribs, but uh, you know, doing, doing what he had to, to prevent a a stand up. But that being said, you know, I I see a Shamar a lot around here or uh, Hawaii. um, And I thought he looked really well, looked better than he has in a long time in this fight. And um you know, he, he had the foot locked behind the knee. Uh, you know, it, it looks so close on some of those uh, triangles and submission attempts uh, and, and won the uh, second round on all three judges' cards. So we were even going in the third. And, uh, you know, what the difference was uh, in the third is, you know, Cochran did the same, took him down. But um, Kawhi at that point, um, it just didn't have the urgency, you know, that he needed to in the third round. And that's the great thing about, you know, uh, open scoring. He knew exactly where he stood. There was no question that he knew if this now had to become a one-round fight. So, I think uh, being close to his corner as we were, uh, that was the frustration from his corner was, you know, that this came down to a one-round one, one round fight, and he just didn't see any urgency to get up, but then, you know, lacked what he had in the second round, which was any type of submission attempt, really. Mm-hmm it was more just being complacent with where he was at and so it was really frustrating for his coach and it was frustrating for me and you know as a fan watching just going man you know what the score is you know you've got to do something um but that being said it was a good showing uh by Hawaii Perez uh <laughs> And so um excited to see. I know he wants on in Nashville and, and to be a little closer to home. I love the fact that he lives in Clarksville, Tennessee, but it seems like uh, Valor is uh, the only place he wants to fight, you know, uh, here lately. So uh, definitely like that. Um, and, you know, Cochran, as always, is kind of, you know, up and down, and he's, he's on an upswing again. So I'll be excited to see what's next for him.
3: One thing I didn't hear you guys mention, I just wanted to say real quick, Cochran took some big shots in at least two, two of the three rounds that, you know, he was able to, to transition into takedowns from. But a big question, I think, always going down, especially that low, is are you going to be able to take those shots, you know, losing all that water getting down that low? And Anthony Cochran definitely showed, you know, the quality of chin he has and just being able to stick to the game plan. And after getting rocked like that, he was directly in on the takedowns and getting the fight where he was
2: comfortable. If anything, maybe even a little better, Chin. Uh, like I thought, like he looked more. No- like you know, I think that's uh, in the last two or three fights, he, he I, I felt that's been one of the, his other kind of small flaws is just like kind of telegraphing those takedowns from from so far away people know they're coming. So he's been kind of tagged like that uh, in the past, and I felt like he wore it better this time. Yeah, it was a, it was
3: a great fight by both guys, man. It was one of the best fights tonight for sure. Next up. Uh, we had 145. Montreal Kirby gets a mounted guillotine over Jalen Harper, minute and 16 into the first round. Um, All of our panelists had Harper in that one, so no points for it, nobody.
2: Okay. Yeah. The panel was upset on this one. This is our first. Is that the first one like that? Interesting. Um, no, it's the second one. The second one like that? Okay. Yeah. Mardell Kirby. Uh, Man, he was really just very dominant here. Uh, very un, un uh, what not what I expected. I, now Kirby, I knew was much better than his record at zero and one coming in. As did Jalen Harper. Right? The Agogi uh, coaches realized, hey, Margot Kirby's a state uh, champion wrestler. He is built like a brick shit house, and uh, he lost his first one by a head kick knockout to Carrington Johnson. But that was just kind of like Carrington's another very good prospect. That he just kind of got got caught you know so a deceptive oh and one with Jalen Harper coming in with a lot of steam you know a guy that uh that was really probably one win away from a title fight at this point um uh, Kirby uh managed to get with a mounted guillotine and man that thing was deep I think he'd already uh busted Jalen's eye up pretty good up until that point and so like J- Jalen was already kind of like in pain and uh his Kirby's arms are or swole, man, and uh, that I had the perfect view. That squeeze was very tight, and I was like, shit, man, he is that's not, that's painful. Uh, Jalen taps out, Kirby goes to one-on-one, and maybe the most dangerous one-on-one, 145 amateur on the scene right now. That's, I came away pretty high on that kid. Uh, He's going to be a problem uh, for a lot of guys. Uh, Harper, I know will bounce back, you know, um, he's he's an experienced guy, and hopefully he heals up pretty quick and gets back to it. But yeah, force on that
4: one, Greg. Well, standing up, the battle was near, you know, close to even right there until Kirby started putting on the forward pressure and wouldn't leave Harper any room to, you know, work any of his game. You know, Jalen needs his space to work his kicks. He's, he's got to time things right, and Kirby – said, fuck that, I'm not doing it, and he uh, he went after him, and I, I was. it happened so fast on the guillotine choke where he jumped on him, I couldn't see it from where I was, because I was over there, I was trying to head towards to get wrapped, and I just saw them go down, and then when he got the mount, and I was like, well, that's not good, and then I didn't even see what happened, I saw him just kind of crunch over, and then the then I saw the submission, and I was like, man, that was quick. But, uh, yeah, he is going to be a problem for anybody at the 145 Division. Um, he needs to get him another dub in there before we talk about him being any kind of contention but that was definitely impressive
3: all right next up we had pro catch weight 165 pounds arthur cc gets a doctor stoppage over slow boyd um in the first round uh greg had cc but he had him by submission so no extra points on that one
2: This one was uh, just kind of a weird fight, man. Uh, It was, uh, you know, a lot of attempts at takedowns uh, that were being, uh, by Cissé, that were being staved off fairly well by Shlomo. Uh, So it's really just kind of hard to say how the fight was going to go because uh, Boyd was doing a pretty good job of, Of keeping it standing, there was an exchange along the cage in the first, heck, man, about maybe a minute in. And I didn't even see exactly what happened at the time. I guess maybe there was a little short elbow that got in there, or maybe. I'm not exactly sure, but there was a cut that opened up uh, nothing too big, but just in a fucked place. It was along slow-mo, right where the crease of slow-mo's eye was. uh, Just very painful-looking. Spot. Uh, he wasn't able to see uh, as it was bleeding into his eye at that point, and and they had no uh, no choice but to stop it. Um, you know, uh, do do that cut, and um, so it was one of those things where you know nobody ever really did any true damage in that fight. It was just one of those oddly placed cuts. It wasn't like there was this big crushing blow, uh, you know, or a big takedown or anything like that. But uh, you know, CC so gets the win. He'll take it. Uh, Shalomo now with two. Weird endings in a row to his two pro fights after the spinning back fist loss to Bubba Cruz, and now this one, uh, tough luck zero to two. What do you see there, Hobbs?
5: I didn't see much. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was over before it ever started, and and I didn't see what caused uh, you know the, the cut. Um, we were all under the assumption it happened so quick and kind of you know you know mm-hmm. in close range that we you know that it might have been a headbutt so um
2: but it wasn't called as such and it, so- yeah
5: it wasn't uh in fact i i kind of uh had an outer body experience right then because i was you know pretty adamant like everyone was just pretty calm yeah. I, I expected them to to be up but no one was i i felt there should have been some discussion or like, why are we not talking? No one's asking any questions. Uh, And and I couldn't get anything from the state. Uh, I kept screaming at the ref to come to the cage and talk to us. Like what, what happened? What is this? And um, you know, the state wasn't really, you know, really concerned about finding out themselves or, or what could possibly be, you know, some other outcomes or, or way to take what happened with it being so quick into the fight. Uh, but ultimately, it all came down to what the referee called it. Um, and he kind of just motioned that it was a short right or left whatever the, the punch was, but just a short punch. Um, and I, I guess I got to take his word for it. I didn't, Like I said, it happened so fast, I didn't see it. But I just felt there should have been a little more urgency or discussion from everybody to find out, you know, yeah. what what is the real take on this?
2: Um, and, you know, Slomo came without a corner and that makes all the difference. If you've got a corner that's up arguing your case, that's going to certainly help, you know, but, uh, you know, his corner didn't show up with him to find oh, gotcha. a, a, a corner. If that had
5: been an Eric Turner or a Mike Merriman, uh, you know, fighter, uh, campaign uh, for their uh, fighter. Shit. uh, that show would have, you shut down until we got some answers you know and like you said that was the that is the, the downfall of not coming with a, you know a proper corner to argue your case or or at least say hey hold up before you announce this this result and let me get some clarification you know from the state or from the referee but it is what it is man um, uh, Arthur uh, you know at the end of the day he's four and two and he got a yeah. win. And regardless of his age or how active he is or isn't, you know, we talked about it last week in this division where you've got the the Logan Niels and Charlie Alexanders and and Ariagas and and you know those guys, you know, in the Valor lightweight division, you can't discount four and two Arthur Cease, you know, in that. In fact, Charlie had made a a few comments on the on the ride home, you know, was like. He's like, I think Arthur wanted, you know, uh, the the fight with me because she's, he's like, he really kept me mugging me all night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the cage like like he was jockeying for, you know, that open spot. And, you know, and I think, you know, we talked in the past, maybe Arthur knew that that was a possibility in yeah. uh, an opening. And I think he was, you know, trying to uh, state his claim for, for that possible matchup. So, um, but he's right there, man. He's right there. And who knows, maybe that, maybe an Arriaga, uh Cisse fight uh, wouldn't be something, uh, you know, we wouldn't want to put on, man.
2: Yeah, that could be a fun fight. And Arthur will be right back to it June 4th. Quick turnaround and be taking on Scotty Stockman out of Rufusport uh, all the way up in Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee. Uh, so we'll step up here uh, this next go round. That's an interesting
3: matchup. It is, it is. <clears throat> I was just thinking about the, the connections and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we had what I thought was – The most fun fight of the night, uh, Muay Thai bout. Uh, Blake Spence defeats Jake Phillips via unanimous decision. Uh, Torres was the only one who picked Spence on that one, but took TKO, so no extra points.
2: Yeah, you're right. Really, really fun fight. This is is like karate versus Muay Thai here, you know, and I guess that's what you're going to get, you know, most of the time here with these Blake Spence fights, but... Uh, I thought Phillips did a little better job than his last opponent as far as just, uh, you know, kind of staying in his face, making him, you know, making him pay a little bit, uh, you know, getting, getting him in there and, and landing some blows. But uh, ultimately, Blake Spence is just, man, that body kick, that push kick it just stays out there. It's so hard to close the distance. And if you let him operate at range, he's going to be a problem and he's going to make it. A highlight reel out of you. You got to get in. You, these guys have got to figure out a way to get in there close and clinch up with this guy. Uh, it was it was a closer fight than what you would think with the unanimous decision. But I, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Spence took all three rounds. But they were still like competitive close rounds. And uh, Spence is on the come up, man. I, I'm a fan of this kid. I'm a fan of both these guys. They're both both really talented. But uh, you know, Spence is a guy that. Now I'd like – now that he's 2-0, I'd like to start seeing some fights with uh, some of these more established tie fighters like your Charlie Millers, you know? What would you think about that, Greg?
4: I – every time we watch any kind of tire or boxing, I don't know how they score these fights. I, I I know I know that Spence won the fight, but I was still baffled about – like I don't know how it was not like a split. I don't know. I mean, maybe I was just watching a different fight. Maybe I was being biased. I did take Jake. You know Jake's a friend of mine. I like Jake, uh, but Spence did. I think you know, overall did did show that he won the fight. He was the more technical guy throughout the thing, and Jake was more the the brute. You know, trying to trying to you know put all the pressure on that he could. But Spence was just had an answer for everything. Uh, with that being said, yeah, uh, it was a lot. Closer than than what the judges scorecards indicated, uh, and 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 again from either guy at one time in the fight it could have probably ended the fight because these guys were landing, you know. And um, I just think that Spence was a couple of levels ahead of Jake, and I uh, wish I would have picked different, but you know Jake's still my boy, and uh, I'm excited to see Spence uh, take the next level up, uh, get some of
3: those Kentucky boys too all right next up cruiserweight bout at 225 pounds torres finney gets first round knockout over kevin menard everybody takes torres by tko so points all over the place
2: yeah this is short and sweet fastest knockout in the history of the promotion uh it's going to be very hard to top just because i there's only so much you can do in five seconds in most cases but uh, torres did a lot uh just pounds the, the absolute hell out of uh, Kevin Minard. I thought Minard literally, I, I hate to say this, I, I I really thought maybe he was dead for uh, a brief moment because it took him a while to get going and there was that feeling of dread in my gut uh, at the cage. Just an absolutely uh, vicious, uh, savage performance by the champ, Whereas Finney uh, doesn't even uh, have time to break a sweat. And uh, then there was... Uh, uh, then there's the next, which will be uh, TK Mattress, man. Talando, uh, TK uh, Mattress will be uh, the next challenger uh, for Torres Finney's uh, first title defense of the 205 strap-in weekend. Let everybody know that's going down as uh, a main event, July the 2nd. That would be uh, Valor uh, 84, I guess, there at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. And, man, both these guys, uh, they're both Very, very talented, Uh, a lot of experience uh, for Mattress already at uh, seven or eight and two. Um, and Torres and him already, I think uh, a little uh, a little uh, gamesmanship uh, will probably emerge here between now and July. I'm, I'm pumped for it. Minard is okay um, and is actually uh, right back to it, man. He's going to be uh, on this primal combat show coming up here uh, next month against uh, you guys. So uh, congrats to Torres. Uh, I'd like to get everybody's take on this one because I had a lot of people come up to me um, that night and even afterward uh, wanting to know what if I you know uh, I guess there was. Uh, off the, the, the initial exchange, there, uh, there was the uh, common, uh, opinion, I guess, that, that Torres, uh, hit him uh, with, at the glove tap, I guess, um, um, uh, t- but, uh, you know, I've talked to Torres and I'll let him uh, state his case here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's in his character, uh, you know, to, to see this as like a cheap shot. I think it's like a kind of more like in the zone kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, but a lot of people were uh, had uh, questions about that. I'd like to get everybody else's take on this one. All right. I'll give my take first. I asked
3: Torres about this after the fight as well. Um, but I- I've watched the fight back and in – no matter what, you know, you keep your, your guard up at all times. But if you're going to glove tap, that's cool. But you always see, you know, the, it's a mutual agreement before the battle actually starts. The guys raise their hand. The other guy nods his head, raises his hand. That was never done. Minner just kind of went out there expecting it. Well, that was obviously not the right decision because Torres wasn't planning on doing a glove tap. Glove tap, you you, you don't – you're not supposed to do a glove tap. That's kind of just something that, that they do. You know, they, they give you an opportunity normally to tap gloves before they say fight um so what do you say Torres
0: um yes um I've have uh, been asked this question a lot and um this is going to be me doing it for the last time I've done it on my podcast as well um before the fight uh leading up to the fight throughout camp I said I was going to start this fight off with a push kick so I was going to run across the cage and push kick him in the gut and start off you know start off with my striking um not once did I see his hand um Plus, when I when I get in my fight mode, um, I don't think about uh, looking uh, at someone. Um, I don't think about like looking directly uh, at their hand. I was ready. I looked directly at his gut, and I was ready to like really just push, kick him like crazy. Um, I never, I never, I never saw his hand from the start. I didn't. Um, a lot of people was asking uh, why didn't glove touch, but I, I never saw. I never looked up. Um, my initial reaction, I mean, you can ask everybody in my camp, it was going to be a push kick to start the fight. And that's what I did. And, you know, I, I, I touched his glove when I walked in the cage. Um, but that's it. Like, I, I never expected to uh, touch his glove. And I saw some people and I seen that uh, little photo of by Hobbs. Um, that was me starting the fight off with a high guard. It was like a more of a high Muay Thai guard to set up the push kick. But uh, not once did I ever think about going to this fight to uh, touch gloves. I've never touched gloves in my last two fights, uh, mainly because we were already brought to the middle. But um, uh, I've, I've never I've never touched gloves. When I'm in fight mode in any competition, there's no, how you doing, let's go, let's do this. Once once the bell rings, once the whistle is blown, whatever I've ever been in my life is go time. So, you know, um, it's just something I've never done. So if anybody have a problem with it, I'm sorry. But that's just me. They always, have
2: everything they to say. Good, Tim. <laughs> so they can always fight you about it.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> while we're while we're talking about it, do you have anything to say to, to uh,
0: TK while you're here? Um. Uh, yes. Uh. You know, I've, I've watched TK. Uh. Phenomenal athlete. Phenomenal uh, fighter. Uh, his record is actually six and two. He's uh. You know, got, got some. All of his fights have been a heavyweight. Uh. This would be the first time coming to two hundred five. Um, this will be his first fight coming to my domain. Um, he says he's going to take me to the Gorilla Den. Um, I'm not on his level. He has all this talk here and there. But let me tell you something, the same way Daniel went into the Lions Den and came out untouched, it's the same way I'm going to go into Gorilla Den and come out the steel champion. So whatever TK got, um, bring it. You better bring your A game, man, because I'm surely going to be on top of minds. I'm motivated as ever. When people trash talk me, everyone that ever met me knows you make me work harder than ever before. So I hope you're ready because I'm sure and will be on July 2nd. How do you feel about this uh, whole situation, Hobbs? <clears throat>
5: Man, it's one. I, I mean, I think the biggest, you know, shit, controversy is all over the place. You know, it, it's just part of it. but. I, I, If you can't take away the fact that the facts are that he has not ever touched gloves uh, in a a previous fight, um, it'd be different if he touched gloves every fight or in his previous two fights. And and then this instance happened, Um, you know, and and I'm going to tell you, that's that's not something I've noticed. I, I don't look to see how many times he's touched gloves. But just hearing him, you know, say that, um, look, go back, watch the videotape. I've never touched gloves. Um, Shit, you just got to take that for what it's worth. He's he's never done it before. You know, it's the same feeling I have every time I watch McGregor and, you know, fight, uh, the way he approaches the center of the cage um, with one hand high up in the air. And, uh, um, you know, the opponent always comes out and you almost kind of see that awkward moment where the opponent's going, wait, is that – Is that a request to tap? Uh, And then it's immediately met by, you know, the the teep kick or the front kick or some, you know, some crazy kick. So um, it's an awkward stance uh, when you come out like that and only awkward for your opponent who might be thinking, um, what what does he want to do? Wait, what are we doing? Is this it? Are we fighting or are we touching? Which is it? Um, And listen, I'm not going to, you know, hold back anything um, because if I were across the ring from Torres – I'd probably be a little afraid, uh, and I'm not saying that his opponent was afraid, um, but it's just kind of that probably nervous, um, scared, what's about to happen type of feeling where, you know, you're wanting to touch gloves and play nice. You know, maybe maybe he's not going to rush me, uh, so I'm going to put my hand out here, but, uh, you know, it is. I mean, you can always fucking fall back on that hole, protect yourself at all times, and there's no way of getting around it uh it is it is the gospel it is a fact um but uh you know like I said acknowledge get the head nod get give me the give me the head nod before are we doing this uh yes or no trust me fighters will happily tell you no if they don't want to. Uh, they don't they don't have to hide it. So it is what it is, man. I, You know, people, you know, it was the big conversation afterwards. And, and even the day after um, I had, you know, hey, send me screenshots of the video and things like that. And it's like, well, yeah, uh, you can take a freeze frame of anything. And it probably looks, you know, funky at the moment. But I, I take his word for it, man. And I, you got to that's all you can do is Taurus says he doesn't touch gloves. I guarantee you this will not happen again, you know, because no one else You know what I'm saying? So if anything, it it, it taught everybody a lesson. Don't damn hands
2: head. up. Yeah,
5: don't think you're going to touch gloves with them. Just go ahead and get it out now. Hug before when you when you come in the cage, circle around and touch them up then, but be done with it.
3: I saw a grab of Michael Chandler smiling after getting blasted by a bear this weekend. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and I'll say this too. You know, I'm all about respect within the cage. I'm I'm a big fan. I'm definitely behind it. It's just like once that bell rings, you know, all the you know, all right, shaking hands, all that stuff. It, it it goes out the window for for me. You know, and I see some other people. They touch gloves. Some people touch gloves heck, in the in the third round. We just had a good big time war. This is the last round. You know, touched, I've seen people do that. But just for me, you know, I get in this mode, and it's hard for me to get out of that mode. Once I get in, you know, all I see, is, you know, as they say, all you see is red and it is, you know, that's just me. Greg, do you have anything to contribute?
4: Well, y'all know me. I'm not an asshole. So I'm close.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, but for real, I, I every, before every pot, Uh, if I have bad blood or not with somebody, actually, you know what, if I do have bad blood with somebody and they are sitting there looking at me from across the cage, you know, pointing, let's go bitch, you know, something like that. We're not touching gloves. Okay. I don't, it's, that's a, that's a, that's an unspoken rule for a man. If somebody calls you a bitch, we don't shake hands before our duel, you know, we're going to kill each other. So with that being said, I always look across the cage and I look my opponent in the eye and I put my hand up in there and I was like, you want to tap gloves? And they will respectfully agree or they will respectfully look at you and say, fuck you or no. And, uh, you know, when I fought Jason both times, we didn't touch gloves and uh, we didn't touch gloves. So, you know, it was. But but something about that, when somebody doesn't want to touch my glove, like I don't, they don't care. It's I'm sorry. Roy Sanders also said, fuck that, because (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he had to wait in the cage for fifteen minutes. Uh, you know, out there waiting for, um, you know, for whatever the hell I was playing. So, uh, whatever, whatever came out, I looked at Roy. I was like, "Hey, you want to Bump?" He was like, "Fuck no, no, fuck that." You know, he's job done. Let's go. I'm ready. So I did not bump with Roy. I did bump. I, so there's been occasions where I haven't, but but like like uh, Jeff said, I'll reiterate, a fighter will happily tell you yes or no. And, uh, but you always ask before the bell sounds because if that fighter across the cage has no idea that you're, you are or not trying to touch gloves, they're not going to react. They're, they're, it's tied, it's go time.
3: So, you know, Finney did right by that. Yeah. I think it's a problem if he says, yeah, we'll touch gloves and then doesn't, you know, then, then obviously you get a problem. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we had a 185-pound title fight. Colin Robinson defeats Tristan Scarborough via unanimous decision. Um, only Hobbs is the only one taking Robinson on that, but no extra points.
2: Yeah, I'm a fan of both these guys. I like both these guys a, a whole lot, honestly. And they both come from out of the area. Both had their uh, last several fights with us. And uh, really uh, just proud to call, uh, you know, them uh, members of our roster. You know, even though they come from a uh, pretty good distance away. Colin Robinson all the way from Worcester, Mass. And uh, just a real nice performance here uh, by Robinson. Takes all the rounds. Uh, able to uh, utilize his wrestling. Scarborough just kind of got a little too... Uh, too uh I guess comfortable being on his back and to let the rounds get away from him I know he was frustrated with his performance but the um, same time I, I think he's still got uh, a lot of potential he's he's a tough guy no one's like running through this dude you know he's going to provide very stiff opposition at all levels uh Colin Robinson, man, moves uh, uh moves on uh, undefeated he's uh, three and zero now and uh now the champ and uh, just uh just a, a really nice prospect a guy that I've, I've got high expectations for.
5: Hobbs, yeah, man. What was a great, great fight? Uh, very well matched, uh, Tim, and um, you know, it was a good, competitive, you know, solid fight. What I like about uh, you know most about uh, Colin Robinson, though, is is how he has taken you know debut, um, you know, to this point, and you know, very, you know, calculated. You know, has has made sure each opponent is just a little better than the one before. You know, not as, not looking for tomato cans, not looking for bombs or turds. You know, this was how I started. This was my day, my debut. The next one's going to be just a little step up, and then the next one's going to be a little step up. And so I you know, I really like the progression. He's not trying to do any lateral fights or or go backwards and fight somebody lesser than the opponent before. He's taking, you know, those gradual increases in skill set, you know, for his opponent. And, and getting you know making sure that he's getting better after each fight. You know this was a fight that um, um, you know went the distance and it, it's probably, you know in hindsight, it's the best thing for him. you know go the distance, get some adversity. and now I guarantee you, Colin Robinson is going to step it up the next time, no matter what it is. Um, but Scarborough has got nothing to hang his head about in this fight, even though it was unanimous. It was a very closely contested fight. Um, You know, it's one of those deals where it was a lot closer than what the word unanimous uh, you know, says sometimes when people, you know, hear the, the unanimous decision called out, it doesn't mean that it's not a close fight. Two rounds to one is still a close fight. You know, three rounds to nothing can still be a close fight. If there was just a, a small minute fraction of, of action that tipped it over the scale to give that fighter that round. So this was a really well put together fight, uh, you know, by the promotion. And um you know, I, I'm glad Colin Robinson is is you know part of the Valor family, but you know, dang, I wonder how long he's going to stick around. You know, um, uh, you know, I know we're getting ready to talk about it in the next one about growing pro. You know, early or, or you know too soon. Um, I hope this kid, while he's got a lot of potential and a lot of upside, um, you know, I think it, he will definitely benefit from sticking around uh, a little while longer in the amateur ranks.
2: Yeah, I got I got to agree with you uh, there. And, you know, uh, just still another couple levels uh, that he and a different couple styles that he needs to see. I think at 185, you've still got that uh, you know that that elite athlete out there uh, that I that I'd like to see him uh, go up against. And who knows, man? The talk Torres Finney dropping 185 here before he turns pro, and that could be a mega fight potentially down the road. All right, next up we had
3: uh, bantamweight title fight, 135 pounds. Chance Gilbride, first round triangle choke over Jacob Romano. Uh, Everybody had Gilbride, Torres, and Hobbs getting the extra points, going with submission.
2: Yeah, man, uh, Romano. I mean, he's a vet. Uh, he, Sixteen fights or more uh, coming into this. Uh, holds other promotions' titles. Uh, been in there with some really, really good guys that have gone on to be uh, solid pros. And uh, Chance Gilbri's no different. Uh, latched onto that triangle and was just, you know, submission to submission, chaining it together and uh, relentless. Yeah, just uh, that, uh, I, I say it all the time about Chance's. He has a kill switch that not everyone has, and uh, he he's he's Looking for that finish uh, gets him out of there in, in a minute, and fifteen seconds. Little bit of a gripe from Romano's side that uh, that Gilbride had a brief uh, grab of the cage when he was uh, jockeying for top position while uh, Romano, you know, scrambling to try to escape from one of those submissions. Uh, I briefly do recall it. It was a pretty brief, uh, you know, little little. Quick grab. It wasn't like a sustained grab by any means, but uh, I did see it. And uh, that said, Gilbride still with a, uh, you know, just a a really, really solid uh, win gets that 135 title, says he's going pro. Uh, After that, and um, I'd like to get everybody's take on uh, this fight. And if you think that uh, he he should go uh, pro at this time at the uh, record of 4 0. That said, uh, you know, wins over some veteran guys. You know, uh, Romano ranked number one on topology in the state. Uh, There aren't many more experienced, pro ready guys in the amateur ranks than Romano.
3: What's up with you, Greg?
2: Man,
4: (laughs) I think that. I think that Chance does does well in the pro ranks. So let me go back to the fight real quick. But um, as far as the cage grab goes, I'm I don't recall where it happened or at what point. But it was probably already where Chance may have already had uh, secured the. Uh, you know, regardless of not if there was a cage grab, it, it shouldn't have happened and it should have been acknowledged because that could have been the difference in uh, in positioning uh, for Romano. It could have been. It could have not been. I don't know. I didn't get to see it. Um, with that being said. Uh, Chance shot out of there like a damn cannon. Didn't didn't eat, like. Here was here was the thing that motivated me for my fight. You know, your nerves are going, your anxiety is going. But here's the thing: I watched Chance go out there, and 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 Chance chances. You know, to to, to, to to everybody and anybody, Chance is, is isn't anybody because they don't know him yet. You know, and and the thing about that fight right there is he didn't give a shit what anybody had especially Romano, because he he said, I'm going to go out there and do what I want to do, and that's just what's going to happen. And that's what motivated me that night, because I was personally worried for Chance because I know Romano's tough. I know he's tough, I, and he is put together. And, uh, and I know that he can hit, and he has a good wrestling background, but Chance didn't care about any of that. He did not give a damn. He went out there and took care of business and then said he wanted to go pro. As far as him going pro, I still would like to see Chance be battle. battle tested. I'd like to see Chance be battle tested. Uh, we haven't find, found somebody to, to battle test him yet, and we, we're probably going to have to find it in the pro ranks. You know, as much as I don't want to see him go up there and start his career this early in his in his MMA career, that's what he's going to have to do to find find the competition for that battle.
0: All right, Torres. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, that guy Chance Gilbrod, man, you know, being a teammate with him, you know, it, it's something you can look at. Like, looking at Chance when he fights, it's just like this man goes into the cage like with no fear in the world against who he faces. He's just going to go in there and do him. And it was so funny. They had to hold him back. He didn't finish the inspection, you know, before going to the cage. They had to hold him back from going in beforehand. And, like, Chances like, like, this Romano guy, I mean, some of us on the team, we were worried about, we were like, okay, this is going to be a pretty tough matchup. Romano's a purple belt, you know, coming out of Wonderboy gym, really good striker, 11-5 to five on the three-fight win streak. Chance wouldn't have made him look no different than what he has done to his last four opponents. So, and, you know, I ain't going to lie. Every, let's be honest. Everybody wanted to see the Emilio and Chance fight. Yes, we all wanted to see that. But with Emilio being out with that injury, then, you know, what is to be honest, what is their left for chance, you know? Uh, and chance does so many, you know, competitions within jiu-jitsu, combat jiu-jitsu, you know, he does he does stuff all the time. So chance has been game and ready for this long, long time. I mean, we've seen chance tap out black belts, brown belts, purple. I mean, you name we we've seen chance do it. Chance is a monster. So with him with him going to the pro rankings, man, I'll be I'm 100 percent behind him. Like, I'm excited to see like besides to me in my in all honesty for me, besides Emilio uh which I do think chance eventually could have got the best of um, besides him and on the amateur rank, I really did not see anybody else left after that after that performance on uh, Saturday, I saw nobody else um that could be in the case
5: hobbs yeah man uh look, to say there's nobody left is ridiculous, that's crazy there's nobody left in. The state of Tennessee, but there's a there's 50 states out there, guys. I mean, there are chances special. Let's, let's not, I don't get it twisted. Chances special, but there's a chance probably in every state, you know. So if he wants to stay, we there can be competition found if if competition is is what is wanted. Uh, now, granted, it's got to fit in budgets. It's got to be able to you know travel and getting people here. But to say that there's nothing left for him, I think, is a little uh, ridiculous to say. There's just not anybody in our pool right here nearby. But I bet there's someone somewhere in another state um, that that in their area is the chance of their area. And it's just a matter of getting them together and making just a really, really good fight. And the great thing is, is Chance is the type of guy that will take it. You know, if you find that guy – He's not going to turn it down, I don't think. Um, You know, my fear with going pro is everybody can go pro whenever they want. I mean, it's their their choice. It's their option. Um, You know, who wants to get – you know, when you can get paid to get punched – Uh, It's a lot sweeter than not getting paid to get punched or really more so the training. You know, that's that's really you're not really asking to get paid for the punching more so is, you know, give me a pot of gold at the end of this eight week training camp. You know, so so everything I've put myself through and all the money that I've spent, um, there's there's a reward at the end of the day. Um, You know, my fear would be, though, is we're searching for competition for them. But if he goes pro, are we going to go after that higher competition that we say we're seeking? Or do we go back to, you know, comparing apples to apples, um, are we going to find the entry-level pro, the the other debut, that's still not on chances level, you know? So, you know, if he goes pro, you know, I think it's the same aspect as if he were to stay amateur is – you know, uh, it, we're kind of dealing with the same thing right now with a, a, another black belt wanting to do make an amateur debut. Um, you know, we know we're not going to go get another debut, you know, because of his skill set. Um, he's going to have to fight somebody with two, three, maybe four amateur fights ab- above him. And chances that good. If you send him in as a, as a pro debut, I think you're going to have to get somebody that's a little more seasoned if you're truly wanting to get. Um, the best competition for him. So, you know, all in all, I think there's stuff out there you can still find for Chance Gilbride as, as an amateur. You're just going to have to bring it in if that Emilio thing doesn't, you know, ever ever pan out. But, you know, I, who wants to just sit away? Who wants to sit around and wait for an amateur fight that may or may not happen? So I think everybody should get the Emilio thing out of their head because he's, he's injured right now. And Chance isn't the kind of guy that's just going to sit around and wait for something. Uh, he wants something now. So I say, you know, Stay amateur. Let's go find, um, you know, a high level amateur from another state and and have a just a hell of a fight that has a lot of eyes in different places looking at it. Or if you go pro, go pro. But let's not find that uh, bottom rung type, you know, you know, debut, um, you know, that that is O and O. But if you look back, had a, uh, a maybe a losing amateur record. Let's go after a pro that's going to push him and see where he's at.
3: All right. Next up, we went back to pros. Originally supposed to be 170 pounds. Um, Raheem Forrest gets TKO first round, uh, 58 seconds over Bubba Cruz. Um, Hobbs had Forrest by TKO, so he takes all the points there.
2: Yeah, this was was another wobbling while it lasted. Uh, First off, Cruz missed weight uh, by five pounds, so you know ended up uh, well technically four pounds with the one pound allowance. So ended up having to give up um, a lot of his money, but uh, wanted to fight. uh, uh, Raheem wanted to fight. So we had a fight, and uh, man, these guys were both throwing, both guys landing uh, their share of uh, strikes in the minute that this thing lasted. But uh, Forrest just landed that perfect one right above the ear. Uh, equilibrium is gone at that point, and uh, Bubba drops, and that was uh, that was it. Uh, Raheem Forrest uh, stays undefeated, and Bubba drops to two and two. Uh, I know a very disappointing loss for him. Uh, be very curious to see how he proceeds here, and uh, we'll keep an eye on Forrest, man. He's put together and uh, got some charisma. Justin, my bad, my bad. What do you think about this? When Hobbs was
3: the weight cut, uh, did that affect Cruz's performance? You think, um, or is it just Raheem, just that 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 killer?
5: I mean, I don't know if it's it's the weight cut. Um, you know, maybe as is you know, I I touched on it a little bit, and I kind of felt dirty doing it because Bubba's a great guy, and I love talking to him. But it's, I think it's not necessarily the weight cut as much as what is his motivation right now? You know, what, uh, why does he do this? You know, uh, who's he doing it for at this point? And, and maybe it's, um, maybe unconsciously, um, you know, maybe his heart's not in it the way he thinks it's in it. You know, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe that is causing the weight cut problems. Uh, we all know he's got, you know, a really important, great job. Um, you know, a, a a good family and he's a family man. Um, you know, and, and maybe it's – I don't know. Like I said, maybe maybe it's just – maybe he doesn't know that he's over the fight game and he's still trying to to keep it going because – and I've met guys like this before who are doing it for everybody else at, at one point in their career, you know, um, where – maybe deep down they're not doing it for themselves anymore. They're doing it because everyone expects them to because his fans want to see him fight and um, people are excited about him fighting. And when they get, you know, and like he's doing it for others. Um, So I don't think it was the weight cut that did it. I think the weight cut was a byproduct of, um, you know, just maybe not being a hundred percent in the sport anymore. Uh, But, you know, then, and that's why I took, you know Raheem Forrest, not not because I knew a lot about Raheem Forrest, but I just had that feeling that that this is where Bubba was at in his career right now, as is just not being sure if this is what he wants to continue to keep doing. The, Bubba's always going to be dangerous, uh, no matter what. But you know the, the opponents keep getting younger, and new crops keep coming up, and Raheem Forrest is is one of the newer fighters, the new crop of of professionals, and and he's you know someone to be reckoned with, man. Um, he's put together really well. He's explosive. He's power, powerful, um, you know, and, and just to throw it out there. I mean, when Greg Hopkins gets healed up, man, and I know he, he's, he, you know, uh, relaxing and, and, you know, coming off of his fight, Jesus Christ, that would be a hell of a welterweight fight right there. Um, you know, if it ever worked out in the future, man, um, you know, we'll talk about Greg later again, but, um, You know, Greg can stand up to those punches, man. I think that'd be a a hell of a fight if it ever, you know, was to happen in the future.
3: Greg, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah,
4: uh, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Bubba, man, and I got you know, I'm a personal friend. I get to speak with Bubba before and after the fight, and uh, you know I spoke with Bubba you know just the other day, and I don't want to give away everything that we spoke about, but you know yeah, Jeff's not wrong. You know uh, that the weight, the weight, the weight miss was a byproduct of the uh, of, of it all. You know we, we said it before. You know he, he's got a, he's got a good life. He's got a great job. He's got two beautiful kids. He's got a you know a beautiful wife and. And dude's got the whole world And like you know just like uh just said you know everybody loves to see Bubba fight whenever he fights I want to see Bubba fight I want to be on the same card with Bubba man because dude is an athlete but Tim mentioned last week if you don't come correct uh, against regime you you know you you could get finished and uh and and Bubba went out there with a game plan and it didn't it didn't work right for him and when it didn't work right for him uh he didn't he didn't revert to what he knew you know and he just uh and he backed away and he he ended up and early and he got caught he got caught right there on the on the ear and went down and uh talked with Bubba and he he did say that uh his heart wasn't in it this last time this last time his heart wasn't in it and uh he said he's going to go back to the drawing board and take some time off and and really understand on whether this is something he still wants to do he knows he wants to do it but he's not going to do it unless he can fully commit to a camp and be off work and actually train the way he knows he can train. And I believe him in that sense.
0: And, uh, I don't think that's the end of Bubba, but uh, it may be a while before we see him. Again. Torres. Yeah. Um, you know, being teammates with Bubba and, uh, you know, seeing him throughout uh, a little bit throughout this camp, you know, the game plan I think could have worked, but, uh, like you say, it all depends on like the motivation behind it. And, uh, you know, Bubba's a phenomenal athlete, man. I, I can't take that away from him. Bubba is a great is a great person. I mean, he's a great fighter. Uh, but like Greg was saying, you know, as, as time goes on, as life go on. I mean, you know, certain things happen. And sometimes, you know, people don't make fighting as their priority. Other things become priority, like family, like your job, making more money. And for Bubba, that's, you know, priorities change. And fighting isn't the, one of his main priorities as it was when he was coming up in the game. And um Bubba Bubba still got it. make no make no doubt about it. Bubba still has it. It just um like you say, the motivation and the priority behind it. Can he still pit like pit the full time into training getting ready for a fight? And if Bubba can do that, I mean the bubble we saw beforehand we would come back and be even better. But um yeah, Bubba, Bubba still has it, man. And Raheem, yes, that's a he's a monster. Uh, the man has power in his hands, man. Uh, he, he looked phenomenal. I'm excited to see a lot more of out of him coming up. So, real, really good performance by Raheem.
3: All right, next up we had Cruiserweight, 225-pound pro MMA. T. Cummins gets the last second in the first round TKO over Eric Bloodax Olson. Everybody had Cummins, Torres, and Hobbs with the
2: extra points. Yeah, literally last second. <laughs> One second to go in the round, they stopped it. Uh, but that said, uh, I think uh, Eric was was uh, on fumes at that point. Uh, pretty good first round, honestly, for both guys. Uh, both guys landed their shots. Uh, there was a time or two that Eric landed uh, pretty solid on T, but uh, the gas tank was, uh, was running on empty there towards the end. Uh, Eric not in the best shape we've ever seen him in. Uh, coming into this one, um, and, uh, you know, they, they did the, He was 225 pounds. I think Eric is going to be more optimal around 205 pounds as we've seen him in the past, uh, you know, against Ian Lawler and, or not Ian Lawler, but Ian Stevens and, um, also, uh, John Hall, you know, he came in uh, fit. Uh, th- just this time, uh, didn't didn't have the conditioning behind him. I'm afraid, and uh, he he said that himself afterward. You know, at 2:35, he said he just didn't feel like he could breathe out there. Uh, always game, uh, you know, uh, getting tagged and 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 never really shying away. But uh, ultimately, there uh, ran out of gas at the end. And T. Cummins is a you know he's a big, strong, powerful guy. He stays undefeated now at four and zero. Before this, had a big knockout on LFA. So you know, at, at his weight class and the way he looks and his style. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting an opportunity.
0: Torres? Yes. Um, man, there was a really good fight to see back and forth. Um, T. Cummins and Eric Olsen, they were really changing a lot on the feet. Um, but the main thing was, um, as I saw T. Cummins, once he took him down, I mean, that that was a big time thing as well. You know, T. Cummins looked like he had the better in, in the wrestling um, on the ground game. And, you know, I just think T-Cummers got the best of them. And, only, you know, when Eric Olsen got tired, you know, it changed a lot of things. I never thought at once this fight was going to go three rounds anyway. But um, T-Cummers looked good, you know, start off a little slow. Eric Olsen got to give him his props because he did get the best of him in some exchanges. But, overall, I'm excited to see the t Cummings. Really good matchup.
3: All right, next up, our feature bout at 155 pounds. Logan Neal gets a 24-second TKO over Jason Wolf. Everybody took Neal. Greg and Torres score the extra points with the TKO.
2: Yeah, this fight didn't go anything like I expected. This was uh, probably the wildest 24 seconds of the night, man. These guys were just berserker style throwing at each other. Uh, a, little, a quick little flash knockdown by Wolf on Neil Early. Neil uh, popped right back up. Didn't There was no opportunity for the referee to step in because this is just berserkers. Like I said, Tasmanian Devils just throwing from the damn hip. Um Either guy could have got clipped at that point, but it was uh, it was Logan that uh, put it on the chin and started to accumulate uh, two or three more behind it, drops Wolf, and uh, has a huge win. And boy, was he uh, was he excited uh, after that. Uh, really nice win for Logan Neal, who will have a main event coming up now in July with C4 Alexander everybody's really excited for. Uh, tough loss for Wolf, but man, I mean, he went out there and laid it all out on the line. And, uh, you know, I kind of expected him to kind of grind more, you know, and just kind of wear on Logan, maybe uh, control the positions and use his size. But, man, no, he just threw cost to the wind and uh, went out there and uh, threw down.
0: All right, Torres? Um, yeah, man, that that was a really exciting matchup. I mean, Logan, he came into that matchup with the mindset to his mindset of in camp. Um, my goal is to finish uh, Jason Wolf, And, you know, we all can say, okay, I want to finish my opponent. But he came in there with the mindset to – Start this fight off strong, and boy did he do it! I mean, he kept the pressure on Jason Wolf, and I think you know with that pressure, it engaged Jason Wolf to brawl, and that probably wasn't Jason Wolf' uh, game plan to uh, you know brawl it out with Logan. But I think with the engagement by Logan doing that, it helped Jason. I mean, it helped him out, and Logan calls it once he got his uh, Jason Wolf back on the fence, he finished him off. Um, I'm really excited for Logan. Um, you know, after seeing that uh, Bellator uh, loss he had. I mean, he has come back strong, beating Nathan Arriaga and um, uh, Jason Wolf, two you know, two game opponents. So I'm excited to see this matchup him against Charlie Alexander in July. I mean, this is going to be a banger, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> Logan has a lot. Of, you know, his game is growing like each and every day, man. His ground game is, you know, just as good as his stand up. So I'm really excited to see this matchup in July. Like this is going to be a really good matchup between him and Charlie. So, look good win by Logan.
3: Greg, how do you see this one, and how do you see this matchup playing out in July? Uh, uh Logan and I
4: spoke a lot and trained a lot before this, uh, before his fight, and we talked a lot. We watched a lot of video footage on Jason to see this and that, and where everything's going to go. And uh, with that being said, I told Logan that uh, you know we had a long talk about how he's never had that first round knockout victory. He does have a he does have a KO finish on his record but that was against Tanner Poe and that was like five seconds before the end of the fight or something so he doesn't count that as a you know as a, as a knockout victory a TKO at all he so this right here when he got that finish there were so many emotions go through him of this is the first time I've ever tried to go out and finish a fight and this is what I did I've never went out and tried to finish somebody and I finally got to do it so he had a lot of emotion going in you know he didn't even understand what was going on in his in, in his mind but right then and there you know and I was happy for him too because he had never ever got to feel that feeling you know of putting in a whole you know two month training camp and then finishing a guy in less than 30 seconds you know not everybody gets to feel that he felt it and it pumped his nuts up man that boy's ready for the lot and uh <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to watch this battle because, uh, you know, Charlie was right there cage-side, man. And uh, I got to say, um, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, av- av- over every single fight of the night uh, on Saturday, Logan Neal stole the show. It don't matter who was in the building. If you left that building, you were a fan of Logan Neal. And uh, and that's that's what I got to say about that. Logan stole the show that night. He did great. I can't wait to see him in July at, at the underground. Hobbs.
5: Yeah, I mean it was a great performance, man. Um, you know, uh, there's not much you can say about what 24 seconds, um, other than um, you know he had something to prove and he and he he freaking proved it, man. And you know, behind the scenes, you know, fighters are never they never want to talk about the future or maybe possible fights after a fight. But you know, listen, guys, you know, for y'all that are listening. I mean, there are plans that are being made and and hopes and dreams that you know certain matchups turn out a certain way so that maybe we can do something and later on, and you know, this was one of those deals where, you know, Logan Neal was not looking past Jason Wolf, and he was a hundred percent focused, but you know, we had to get talks going. Uh, initially about July with Logan, just to see if this was anything that, you know, interested him, if the, if the, the fight was still open, you know, come, um, you know, you know, come this past Saturday. Um, and so in the back of his mind, you know, Logan knew, um, not only do I need this win to possibly get a a bigger, a main event fight, uh, you know, uh, another, you know, step closer to my goals, uh, you know, with this fight in July, possibly, um, but, uh, you know, I want to make a statement and, uh, and he did, he fucking made a statement and, uh, you know, and Charlie, I'm telling you, like I said, I, I'm good friends with Charlie and, you know, just like you guys are good friends with Logan and, and Charlie was happy that the fight turned out the way it did, you know, um, because in his mind, you know, had this thing had drawn out and gone three rounds and had been a war, um, you know, who knows what Logan's mindset would have been after that, you know, would he have said, man, that was, a, that was a war. You know, I, I need to take some time off. I, I don't want the quick turnaround. I need to heal. Um, or maybe it didn't go the way that he envisioned it in his head and goes, well, you know, I want to work on a couple of things before that. So, you know, this this played out perfectly for all involved. Um, this was not a call out or, uh, you know, necessarily a grudge match sort of thing. Uh, this was a, a fighter who had an open spot in July because it's in his hometown and, and needed a dance partner. And, um, you know, Logan was who we always wanted uh, in that spot, and he just needed to take care of business, and he he freaking did, man. So um, both these guys are pumped up about this fight in July. Do not get it twisted. They are both equally excited uh, about this fight in July. And um, it is a classic valor main event. You know, Charlie's been in a couple of these. You know, when you think about fights with Demir and David, it seems like he's always in one of these type fights. But this is this is what you think about. Come July 10th, when you think about just good, high quality, you know, could get a fighter to the next level. These are your, uh, like I you said, your Demir and Charlies, and your David and Charlies, and your Jason Kings and, and Greg Hopkins. Um, you know, these, these premier type main event mashups. And that's what's going to happen July 10th in Nashville. And the fight is going to get freaking rowdy. I'm telling you, it's going to be hype and just wait. I'm fixing to drop this little video here in about five seconds that was made for the main event. And it, it's hot. The fight's going to be hot. And I can't freaking wait for it. That Super Bowl ring is either going back to Chattanooga or it's staying in Nashville. Um, it's going to be lit, y'all.
3: All right, next up, uh, 155-pound pro fight, Nick Gertz, submission by armbar, uh, three minutes and 56 seconds into the first round over Keenan Raymond. All of our panelists took Gertz by submission on that.
2: Yeah, you know, Gertz, uh, obviously, very talented grappler, uh, and uh, really, he was, like, calling his submissions out. Uh, He was, like, telling Keenan what he was going to go for before he went for it, and that may have been to his detriment, honestly, because Keenan wasn't a slouch. He, you know, he was defending well as as well as one could, uh, you know, with a guy with a new black belt like uh, Nick Gertz in there. Uh, opened up a little cut, if I can recall, on uh, Nick, but and stayed out of dam- in danger for about four minutes. But uh, eventually, Nick able to uh, sink that inevitable submission in there. It Had been a long time since we've seen him. Uh, going on two years now, uh, and had uh, shoulder surgery, so I know that there was, uh, you know, some a lot of trepidation in the back of people's minds, you know, how's he, how he's going to perform out there. Uh, and he performed well and, uh, looks like, uh, he'll be looking for a quick turnaround potentially, uh, in, in June, uh, you know, and, uh, and probably a step up in competition as well. Uh, Keenan Raymond, on the other hand, uh, is going to still be a t- stiff test for other 155ers and 45ers down here. I think uh, coming all the way from Rhode Island, he really showed a lot of toughness and grit, and uh, is is tougher than his record uh, would uh, would show him to be.
5: Hobbs, yeah, I mean you've got to give uh, Keenan Raymond credit, man, because that is a high level grappler. He was in there with and and he was holding him off. He was holding him at bay for a while, and you know. Um, you know Nick's talking up a storm in there, telling them what's about to happen, what's fixing to happen. you hey, you better watch out for this, um but uh, you know, he was able to hold him off, man and 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 he was game for a long time. Uh, you know, four minutes is a long time in the cage with Nick Gertz and and not uh, and not get submitted. So you know, Nick is one of those guys that's right on the cusp, man, and you almost kind of when you watch Nick Gertz compete. Um, you're really more so just wondering, you know, to yourself, why is he, why is he, why is he still here? Why is he not, you know, uh, gotten a call up? Why hasn't he gotten an opportunity, uh, maybe on national TV somewhere? Um, so it, it, he's kind of an enigma on on why he's not uh, already in some of those opportunities. Um, so uh, you know, to find out that he's a uh, uh, getting another shot, uh, a quick turnaround, hopefully, and a. And, uh, Uh, you know, a step up in opponent. Uh, It's exciting, man. Um, I will say before I give this up, um, because I know we're getting to the end of the show, Tim, and uh, I'm over here with my bout sheet making Matchmaker, and Greg mentioned that Brian Diaz would love July, man. What about Justin Abner and Brian Diaz? Put it down in your paper. Think about it. Yeah. I, I, I like that one. Greg, take that one back to the gym,
0: bro.
3: I will. All right. Next up, main event. Greg Hop- or, uh 170 pound pro title. Greg Hopkins defeats Nick Martino via TKO one minute and one second into the first round. Everybody
2: had TKO for Greg on that one. So of course we had to end the night on a little controversy. You know, uh, this was another violent fight, man. Uh, Greg was landing just some some clubbering blows that sounded like a baseball hat, a baseball bat hitting like a like like a, a big uh, like rump roast or something, man. It was. Uh, They were they were clubbering uh, shots, uh, as we know that he throws Uh, the fight, went to the ground. Uh, Martino uh, went for the went for heel hook. And uh, at that point, things everybody started kind of holding their breath like what's going to happen now? Because like Greg's punching him in the face through it. And, uh, you know, Nick's uh, committing all the way to this thing. Uh, uh, Greg does not tap, makes his way back up to the feet. Clips, uh, Martino drops him, and uh, the referee stepped in, and that was it. Uh, Martino's side was uh, not happy, to say the least, about the stoppage. Uh, looking back on it in hindsight, I thought was maybe a hair early. I, it was so similar to the Craig French fight earlier. Uh, very, very similar, honestly. And, uh, and I was okay with that as an amateur stoppage. I think – pros, uh, especially given the situation with it being a title fight, five rounds main event, all that good shit. Uh, you know, you, you gotta let it be definitive. However, you know, you can't fault Greg. He, he fought till they told him uh, the fight was over and that's not his call. Uh, ultimately it seemed like Martino was coming up right when he stepped in. But again, uh, you know, I wasn't right there close. I couldn't see Martino's eyes. Maybe, you know, there was a look in his eyes that the referee saw that, uh, you know, told him that he needed to stop the fight. So, uh, Martino retires after that one, man. He lays him down. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, true pro. Uh, Martino has always been, had his first amateur fight with us. So it's fitting that he has his last pro fight with us. He's got a gym to to run and a lot going on his plate. So I, I know that we'll still see him around. But uh, shout out to Nick Martino. Always a pleasure, my man. Uh, congrats to Greg. You know, uh, gets that record uh, one, one, uh, one level higher. Knocks off a guy that uh, maybe a lot of people overlook. But I know Greg didn't overlook. Uh, anybody in the know knew that that was a a very, very dangerous opponent, and um, uh, in the process, though, possible injury for Greg, we'll let him speculate on that, and, uh, you know, didn't tap to that heel hook. Uh, uh, very, very uh, – shows a lot of toughness, a lot of grit, and uh, hopefully uh, it isn't uh, something that will cost uh, a lot of time on the shelf. Greg, I'll go ahead and start with you. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, I was landing some hard
4: shots, and, and I knew that I was going to have to land hard early because, I mean, like – yeah, you know, everybody that was there, of course, was in my in my in my corner. I was in my hometown, but not everybody knew how dangerous Nick Martino was. But not everybody knew that he was a more technical striker. Not everybody knew that he was more savvy on the ground than I was. Uh, and I knew what I had to do to get him out of there, and that was just try to clobber him, you know, just the best I can. And. When uh, I was going to go for a Navy and instead of stepping through and grabbing and giving him my arm, I just pushed him and tripped with it, with my leg. And when he went down, I decided I was going to try to punish and throw an axe kick. And when I, I did, I was just admiring how hard I just axe kicked him in his stomach and he just took it. That He snatched my, my heel up real quick and that was when I realized, okay, he's going to try to heel hook me, but it was so quick that uh, I, could, I didn't realize it. And he, he had it snatched up and... Uh, when I leaned back initially, <clears throat> I thought to tap because my my, uh, my knee just popped. It just popped three or four times. But I also realized that his head was right there, and he's fully committing to this, and all the damage that's done is done now. So I started firing off, and then with the adrenaline going, I stood back up on my, on my leg, and he had that wide stance, and he kept coming forward with that wide uh, right leg, so I kicked his shin. And then when he didn't come back with his shin the second time, and he was going to come with a one two, I just threw a left, a little left, uh, short left hook, and it caught him. He did go down, and and I was he grabbed my leg, and I had my left hand tossed, you know, lower, ready to go, and I was going to wizard and just put my weight on him. Uh, it was early, it was a little early, but it the, the, the referee did stop the inevitable from happening at that moment because Nick was rocked and. Um, it, it there's a it was controversial, it was but at the end of the day I'm glad he did it because uh yeah Nick was gonna get more uh, a little bit more damage done to him because I was gonna hip you know uh, wizard hip over and then just start hammering him in a crucifix also as well as I'm glad he, he got in it early too in my favor because something did happen to my knee I'm not sure yet I have an MRI in the morning at 9 a.m. and I'll know something a little more by the end of the week uh, but you know. I did win, and I'm happy with that result. I just hope it doesn't put me out for another six months or longer.
0: All right, Torres. Well, you know, Greg pulled what Tony Ferguson did. Just won't tap. <laughs> 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 but the thing is, it went in the favor of Greg rather than Tony Ferguson because uh, Greg utilized that. And, um, man, I mean, I already know Greg's tough now. My goodness, man, when he rose up out of that, like, the guy, I mean, Martino twisted hard on that knee, man. And when Greg got up, man, the stealing continued to ground and pound. Um, I, I saw a lot of people like, oh, questioning whether the stoppage was early, whether or not. Um, once again, <laughs> these flash. I mean, when you when the guys just drop, you know, it, it's just weird when you see that, you know. And um, but man, Greg was landing some shots, man. Those shots were so loud; <laughs> I never forget that, man. Some really nice hooks. But uh, I mean, really good fight though, um, and I'm excited to see uh, what Greg the rest of his career. I hope he's healthy. Um, I hope his knee, um, you know, he really heals up um, because uh, five and one. You got to think about this it, five and one, bro. Don't, don't beat some tough opponents, Martino, Jason King. I mean, if you be honest with yourself, I think out of entire Greg's career, he really doesn't have a loss. Um, but uh, I, I understand the Jason King um, incident, but you know it wasn't really a loss. It was you know disqualification. So uh, Greg has is having a great pro career. I'm excited to see what he uh, what he does in the future. Hobbs, uh,
5: yeah, absolutely early stoppage. Um, but again, it's one of those things. I, it, it's, I don't think it was changing the outcome. Uh, just for my money, and of course, this is easy for me to speak uh, to you two guys that actually get punched in the face. Uh, I would like to see them take one more shot. You know, just uh, let's let's put a period on it. Let's uh, let's put it definitive. Uh, you know, and again, take it back. You know, amateur is is different, but you know, these guys' record, their money, their possible future opportunities. Um, you know, are, are on the line. You know, the amateurs live to fight another day. They get to go back to zero. You know, O and O uh, at some point if they choose to. They get to wipe the slate clean. Uh, these professionals do not get to wipe the slate clean. And Greg, being on the other side of it, uh, you know, in the past he would do anything to have that one off of his record. And so, you know, any fighter I think would tell you. Um, before you put that one in my lost column, let me take another shot. You know, let me make sure that I'm out, uh, and let there be no doubt. Um, you know, leave no doubt. Let me watch the video later and go, you know, oh yeah, I was definitely out. So, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen, uh, it continue, even if it just a fraction of, of a second more, uh, to, to see some follow up. But again, let's not get it twisted. It was not changing the outcome of the fight at that, at that point. Um, He was, you know, Martino was in a vulnerable position and, um, you know, with Greg standing over, you know, only bad things were going to happen from that point on. Um, You know, I've already given my take on what my hopes are for Greg in the future. Uh, He's got a great, you know, uh, a a really, really good, you know, pro record. Um, You know, if he has to be out for a little while. Uh, maybe we get to see it more of someone like uh, you know Raheem Forrest. Uh, I think he was what two and zero now after this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe he gets another fight or two in He gets his record. Uh, you know, just a, a tad closer. Not that I think that it needs to get closer, but uh, it'll be good for it to get a little closer and, and give some more video out there for Greg to do some research on and 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 watch. Um, I, I think that's where. Uh, a future type matchup, you know, would be because I just don't know what else in uh, the Eastern part of the state um, is there for them. Um, in that in that you know little tri-state area, so you know maybe maybe Greg's one of those people that at this point the promotion has to start looking at uh, you know who can we maybe uh, bring in from just a little further out, just just expanding our little search circle uh, a little further and see what kind of matchups we can get for him, and, and the type of matchups that will get um, you know other eyes looking, uh, other places that you know maybe Greg's wanting to uh, get to in the future.
3: All right, that'll wrap it up. So, on the week, Greg ends up with 45 points, Torres with 42, and Hobbs with 35. Bring total. Greg with 161, Torres with 158, and Hobbs with 144.
5: Can we go back to O and O? I'm on your
0: tail, Greg. I'm (laughs) on your tail, baby.
5: (laughs) Can we start back over at O and O? Can we go pro?
2: All right, guys, I appreciate it. This is uh, that, That's going to that's gonna wrap up our wrap-up and recap of Valor 82 from Chattanooga. We'll be back in Chattanooga August the 21st. So uh, mark your calendars. We'll be back at Camp Jordan Arena for that. Uh, for now, the next few weeks, we'll be looking towards uh, Valor 83, and it's going to be a good one, guys. A lot to get into over the next couple weeks. Back at the Joe June 4th, headlined by a big 155 professional title fight, Demir, the Bosnian barn cat. Rob defense against nasty Nate Williams from Hot Atlanta and uh, that's going to be fire, guys. We'll get into that and a whole lot more of uh, other talk next week. If, uh, we appreciate you out there in uh, uh, in listener land, uh, spending some time with us. Make sure you uh, you rate the podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening, and uh, spread the good word uh, for uh, my panelists: uh, Torres, Finney, Greg Hopkins, Jeff Hobbs, and my co-host Justin Watson. I'm your host, Tim Loy, signing out for another edition of the Valor Hour.
5: This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence.
1: There's a lot of takeaways, Daniel, that that I have from this card. Overall, I enjoyed the product on Saturday night, sitting back and watching it. Um, You know, Charles Oliveira, I mean, when he got that fight to the ground in, in the opening, what, you know, minute, minute and a half of that fight. I thought the fight was over at that point. I, I just like, oh, uh, here, here comes the RNC. It's over. Charles Oliver is your, your, your lightweight champion. And then, uh, you know, Michael Chandler. I mean, and what's kind of the craziest part about that is the fact that, you know, this wasn't like it was a, a chokehold in the third, fourth round where they're all sweating. He got out of it. I mean, they were dry to get out of that. I thing says a lot about Michael Chandler. But, uh, you know, and then kudos to, to weather that storm there at the end of the first round. And then, of course, uh, man, just pinpoint accuracy there on those strikes there in in the second round. But, you know, one of the things I wrote down is, yes, Charles Oliveira is the UFC lightweight champion. But is he at the best lightweight in the UFC? Man,
0: we're already raining on the man's parade. He just got off the fire truck in Brazil, Jason. You're already dousing it. Look, man, um, I'll answer your question in half a minute. But I just want to say congratulations to Charles Oliveira. Man, not often do we see these stories of guys with such long careers peak with that championship. It reminds you of the Michael Bisping championship win. It just happens that Oliveira did it at a much younger age because he started off. He must have been 20 or 21 years old when we were first watching him compete in the UFC. So a phenomenal journey. Man, that title looks uh, well on him. He looks like a superstar. I don't think he's the best lightweight in the UFC. I think he's number two. I tell you who I think is number one is Dustin Poirier. The
5: MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher,
0: TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.